Hubhopper Originals. Hey guys, uh, this is Hubhopper Originals, and welcome to the first episode of the Fine Print. We are India, just two guys who like to trip on all kinds of things we are interested in, and we hope we get you interested in these same things that we love to trip on. Uh, my name is Akash, and with me is my bro uh, Sandeep. Sandeep, what's up, man? Hey, man, what's up? Excited to be here. Yep. Since it is the first episode, I might as well just give everybody a gist of what we do. So Sandeep and I run this YouTube channel called India, and what we do is uh, we just make a bunch of video essays, and we make one or two video essays every week. What we try to do is we take up everything that's going on around us, and we cover, and uh, we cover them with our own, I dare say, unique point of view. Uh, on those things, we try to take this approach of going a bit beyond left and right, trying to take this bit of a centrist approach. The YouTube channel once again is called India I N D I E A. That's Indie with an A, and you can find the link in the channel description tab of the podcast episode. So, dude, what are we talking about today? Well, you mentioned our YouTube channel, yeah, and we have been making a lot of video essays. Yep. This being our first podcast episode. I was thinking it will be fitting if we start off by tripping on an essay to begin with. Okay, what essay are we talking about? Uh, the school essays that we used to write. The Nibans. Nibans, uh, yeah, Nibans, Nibans. बोलते थे उसको और मैं SSC board के जो भी लोग होंगे उनको पता ही होगा Nibans जो होते थे. Like we could never really get good marks in those, especially especially if they were like you sort of you would basically learn one topic and sort of copy paste that everywhere. And I remember very vividly, मेरा कजन था उसको पूछा गया था राइट एन निबंध और राइट एन एस एन योर ऑन योर फेवरेट हीरो फेवरेट नेशनल हीरो रादर एंड आई थिंक द आंसर दैट दे वर एक्सपेक्टिंग वॉज मोर ऑन द लाइन्स ऑफ जवाहरलाल नेहरू और लाल बहादुर शास्त्री और महात्मा गांधी और सुभाष चंद्र बोस सुभाष चंद्र बोस and I think my cousin came home he's like मैंने तो लिख दिया सुनील शेट्टी पे and I was like क्या He's like, man, he can't be my favorite national hero, Sunil Shetty. And this is, I think, 1993. Holy so, shit! Yeah, yeah. So, उस टाइम पे मूवीज आई थी लोगी बहुत सारी और Sunil Shetty की भी मतलब I think मैं नहीं कौन सी थी मोहरा मोहरा was then. So yeah, so I'm assuming that's not that's not the kind of why, why didn't you pick Akshay Kumar though? Akshay Kumar, yeah, he. Yeah, that's a valid question. I mean, Akshay Kumar is and and yeah, and that that other one where he lifts Undertaker. That's Oh, dude, that was insane. Yeah, yeah, but that, that came way later. This is 1993, 1994. I think was was came later. 95 or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's not the essay we are लेकिन Salman Rushdie Salman Rushdie is right that's absolutely true uh, I think I was being a little disingenuous when I said uh, when I just gave you one half of the name it was just Irata right the act, the end, the full name of the novel is uh, full name of the essay is Irata or unreliable narration in midnight children in midnight children ah okay that's 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 a big one mere ko abhi bhi yaad hai midnight children mein gaya tha khareedne ke liye jab main 11th standard mein tha and this was uh, This was uh, uh, any anybody who's tuning in from Bombay would know or Mumbai would know that uh, place that we have around Hotatma Chowk where we get books where we can really bargain for books and वहाँ से मैंने खरीदी थी Midnight Children five hundred bucks and I told him भैया नई वाली देना because those guys also sell you all sorts of second hand books which are good but when I was like in that phase कि मैं ना नई वाली किताब पढ़ूँगा मुझे second hand माल नहीं चाहिए so It's from that. I'm assuming. It, so uh, it's it's based on that. Yeah. It's based on that. But uh, not many people know this. But Salman Rushdie had uh, he had a huge body of work when it came to non uh, nonfiction. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he's written things from uh, a travelogue to a collection or an anthology of uh, various essays. This particular essay, the Erata, 
और अनरिलायबल नरेशन इन मिड चिल्ड्रन कम्स फ्रॉम हिज कलेक्शन कॉल्ड इमेजिनरी होमलैंड The minute you hear the name Irata, right? The first thing that probably pops up is it's how it's a made-up word. It's not a made-up <laughs> word. No, it's not a made-up word. This is this. Shruttao ke liye Irata is E R R A T A. मुझे मुझे नहीं पता है असली शब्द है भी कि नहीं लेकिन मतलब. Dude, you got you got the spelling right though. I must give it to you. Okay, so but it has okay. to be it has to be fancy stuff, right? It it sounds it, Latin. It, it sounds Latin, man. It sounds <laughs> it sounds fancy as fuck. Yeah. It doesn't sound like the Chetan Bhagat shit I used to read. When I was uh, till till at least three years ago, I actually used to read that stuff. There's nothing wrong with Chetan Bhagat, man. I like Chetan Bhagat. I also like Chetan Bhagat. I don't mind Chetan Bhagat. Uh, and yeah, this is for anybody who thinks they do not like Chetan Bhagat. They can just tune out right now because uh, snobbery <laughs> nature is here because here is a Hindi medium guy sitting here. जो कि है मैं लेकिन ओके ओके सो नो लाइक यू नो ऑल दोस थिंग्स असाइड व्हाट आर वी टॉकिंग अबाउट लाइक व्हाट आर वी ट्रिपिंग ऑन लाइक व्हाट व्हाट इज इराटा ओके सो द नेम इराटा ओके इट लिटरली मींस अ सेट ऑफ क्वालिफिकेशंस दैट आर इशूड बाय एन ऑथर ओके आफ्टर हिज और हर बुक इज पब्लिश्ड ऑलराइट ओके इट्स इट्स थिंक ऑफ इट लाइक अ पोस्ट फैक्टो लिटरेरी क्वालिफिकेशन of errors or a slew of errors that have been made in the publication okay so you're saying that uh, salman rushdi made a bunch of uh, errors and he published something to sort of tell people that oh i have made these errors please take note of this when i say errors i mean factual errors and yes salman rushdi made a bunch of factual errors in midnatural okay i think i can recall one or two but we'll we will talk about that as we go along okay but hmm that's interesting What do you mean? Like, I mean. So, okay, so uh, he he in fact starts off the essay uh, by talking about the most prominent error that he made. Okay. Which is? Uh, he talks about how Lord Ganesha or how his narrator talks about Lord Ganesha, and Lord Ganesha is a lover of literature, and according to Salim Sinai, who is the narrator of Midnight Children, hmm. Lord Ganesha sat at Valmiki's feet to basically write down the Ramayana as it was being narrated to him. रामायण That's another essay for another day. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> okay, but okay. So. And there are a bunch of other errors. I mean, uh, in in the in the novel, you have Salim Sinai, who again talks about how there are these concrete tetrapods. I mean, if anyone's again listening who's from yeah. Bombay or has lived in Bombay or has visited Bombay. I am from Bombay. Yeah. We all are from Bombay. Both <laughs> of us are from Bombay, and we all know Marine uh, Marine Drive, right? Yeah, I mean, the Queen's Necklace. Yeah. If you look at the show, it's lined up by these really hideous-looking concrete tetrapods. Yes. It's it's uh, it, it it looks like it's 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 a it's an extra in a set of um, a really bad sci-fi movie. Okay? okay, okay. So according according to Salim Sinai, the entire Bombay land reclamation project was completed using concrete tetrapods, but okay. that's not true. That is obviously not true. I've been a I've been a guide in Mumbai for a while, and uh, hmm. I can tell you for a fact that that is not true. I mean, a lot of a lot of land in Bombay was like of the seven islands of Bombay. They were reclaimed through the uh, gravel that they found in from the ports in Bombay, and they actually hmm. made uh, the Ballard Estate and all those places. Okay. So that is obviously false. Okay, but that still sort of begs the question, right? I mean, uh, it's a fictional book. So why should he have to care about coming out clean, you know, with with this whole irata? I mean, that's, I mean, if you if you if you come to think of it, it's it's extremely unfair, and that is sort of the philosophical so, tension. So yeah, tell me about it. Okay, I keep jumping the gun on this. Okay, tell me. So so it's it's that that's the that's the underlying philosophical tension when you read the essay. Okay, this one he uh, this this one I remember when I said uh, I remember one of the errors is when he talks about General Dyer entering the Jallianwala Bagh and uh, massacring the people with a bunch of uh, white fifty white fifty fifty white troops yeah fifty white troops fifty white troops that's not true is it that's not true yeah they were 
Uh, way of putting it it's it's, it's quintessentially salman rushdie but, but, but you're saying that this this error could have been prevented all these errors could have been prevented for instance he also uh, his narrator again I, i keep saying his narrator he mentions uh, offhandedly that lata mangeshkar was singing on all india radio in 1946 i remember that 46 yeah. yeah but that that again doesn't make sense right it doesn't make mm. sense at all so yes they could have been avoided but uh, should he be held accountable for it uh, f- because midnight children is a work of fiction i'm not so sure hmm, okay. i'm not so sure okay. okay so okay so that this so what i'm what i can see so far is that uh, salman rushdie is trying to uh, to is trying to uh, sort of take the narrator away from his, his own self right he sort of creating that line between the narrator and himself like i am not the narrator so if narrator makes a mistake it's not a salman rushdie's mistake i mean that's the trap that most writers write writing in first person first person point of view accounts fall into that's okay. a, that's a, that's that's a problem that's always there's a word for it um well it's it comes from unreliable narration i mean it's a, it's a most common literary trope when it comes to literary fiction okay. especially uh, magic realism and uh, one of the one of the most evident fallacies of lit, uh, unreliable narration is the fact that it it encompasses a subjective world view a purely subjective world view right there is no such thing as objective reality so and rand sensor hatred yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god so yeah, 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 yeah. I, i could never read ayn uh, rand i mean fountainhead was extremely painful for me because it it the 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 entire style right yeah. the literary style just screamed objective It's objectivity is just pure objectivism right but when you look at unreliable narration you are looking uh, looking at the world through the through the world view of one single narrator and how he views and perceives the world or how he wants to view and perceive the world and that's when the that's where the unreliable tension comes in into uh, his narration just a quick detour for all the people who are tuned in who can hear the dogs in the background uh, let me just tell you where we are broadcasting this episode from we are uh, it's it's 2:45 in the night uh, it's 28th feb is, is that is that right it's 28th feb yeah it's 28th feb uh, it's been a bad day for india the yesterday was a bad day for india we lost a match to australia and more importantly we actually lost one of our soldiers to the pakistani uh army at least temporarily hopefully temporarily definitely temporarily we'll get him back so it's been a bad day and we're extremely tired and we're broadcasting from a place which is very close to a lake in bangalore and that's why you can hear like a lot of wild dogs a lot of dogs a lot of dogs lot roaming of dogs. here in the so night we sorry about that but and maybe the occasional cricket i don't know maybe the occasional cricket. cricket up so just wanted to clarify that i should have actually clarified that in the beginning itself but uh, Yes. So, Sandeep Sandeep, you were you were talking about unreliable narrators. Okay. Yeah. So, um like I said it's a classic literary trope and it's it's not a new one. Uh it's not a new one in the world of literary fiction it's been around since I think the 15th century I think with Cervantes uh, Don Quixote itself. Um and it's also been around I think um if you look at the catcher in the rye okay golden coffee he's a classic unreliable narrator classic so okay golden coffee and catcher in the rye have been sort of discussed to death tell me about cervantes more i'm more interested okay so uh so the minute to start uh the minute to start reading don quixote right um it's established that it's being narrated by a chronicler of sorts okay but when you come to the 8th or 9th chapter is suddenly revealed that he is in fact an editor of an original manuscript in arabic which he found in the marketplace of toledo okay. so then what the reader gets sucked into he gets sucked into this world the, where there the, are the two the narrator is not the narrator actually the narrator is, was, never the narrator, was never the narrator but there are two parallel narrators but that's not that's not exactly confusing still what is actually confusing is the original original narrator or the the writer of the original manuscript he wrote it in arabic 
the narrator of the don quixote the original narrator in the way or the narrator who opens or begins the novel mm-hmm. he writes in spanish he has a he has a morisco okay. i think that's a derogatory, derogatory term i'm not really sure about it but the morisco actually translates the manuscript from the arabic to the spanish so you have two le- two levels of distortion or interpolation right there one is of course the editor adding his own bit to the original manuscript but also the added confusion of something being lost in translation hmm okay that's pretty complex so it's the unreliable uh, aspect of the narration is already evident to the reader straight from the beginning this is interesting yeah, there's this essay right by borges called partial magic in the quixote hmm yeah and yeah like that makes sense that that sort of starts making more sense now when you talk about it i could never really or oh, a beautiful essay Yeah, yeah. I think we should have a completely new series an alternate series on yes. Borges uh, so for, for everybody sure. who is listening to this like uh, yeah like my favorite author and I think our favorite author over here is uh, Jorge Luis Borges we will be we will be discussing him like in the coming in the coming podcasts yeah. uh, whenever we get time and we can sort of dedicate like I personally am a very very limited reader and I only enjoy I do, I do not enjoy Bor any other author as much as I enjoy Borges and we'll come to that and I think one of the things that sort of strikes me because Borges is the only guy I've actually read uh, like a lot mm-hmm. if I can say so and what has happened is that uh, they keep saying that Borges is the greatest uh, Spanish writer since Cervantes and a lot of what you're saying about Cervantes's unreliable narrator in Don Quixote sort of also manifests itself in Borges's writing a lot of yeah. times what, what would happen is you would be reading a story which would begin and Borges almost always wrote short stories i don't think he wrote long stories so the story would start with some guy finding a book in a market and sort of dipping himself into that book which talks about another book yeah and so it's like an inception of sorts of stories and you don't really you sort of lose track midway about whose story are you in right now and who is exactly. exactly the narrator and i think it seems to me that over the course of uh, after almost 400 years of Cervantes Borges heavily borrowed this idea from the original master of Spanish and you being a fan Nolan can uh, tell our listeners how he was influenced by Borges too I mean inception I mean inception uh, I think is influenced like from what I've understood and I don't I don't make any claims here but I have read this story by Jorge Luis Borges called The God's Script and mm. some people call it the God's Writing and i will not go into the details because it's a beautiful short story with its own plot but it explores the idea of a dream within a dream yes uh, i think almost 50 years before nolan does it it's no it's no i think it's a mesoamerican no, uh, tale with zina khan who's the yes. who wakes up in exile and yes who does not not in the exile he wakes up in a cell in a cell well, oh which yeah is, which is yep, it's, yep. it's 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 a it's a semi circular thing which is uh, which is sort of what is the word is semi hemisphere which is uh, on one labyrinth? side of it there is a no on one side of the sem- semi hemisphere is a jaguar is a jaguar is yes yes a big hard on for what uh, yeah. is in and the other side is a priest but we will not get into that today that is for some other day it's just that nolan is a big fan of borges and i thought i'll just sort of mention that anyway so let me get this straight so since the narrators themselves are the narrator at least in don quixote or even catcher in the rye are mm-hmm. either ignorant or usually they do not know what's going on and i can maybe add another example to this i mm-hmm. think uh, in terms of when you talk about the first person who's an unreliable narrator somebody like the narrator from the fight club and i know fight club has been beaten to death by people who have understood it who have criticized it who have analyzed it, it yeah. yes but it still sort of brings up the same idea that you don't don't know most of the time whether what the narrator is seeing yes is it true is it false is it real is he is it even real because of course it isn't i think i think that's one of the fallacies that unreliable narration entails right it's a purely subjective view so you never really know what is real what is not real yeah so So yeah that's what I was saying because when you're reading it when you're living that world it's you're essentially entering a psychological realm yep but but this that that's, that's what the problem lies right but Salim Sanai is not like the narrator of Cervantes like Cervantes's narrator he's not like uh, Catcher in the Rye kind of Yeah I mean you can't you can't compare him with Holden Caulfield because Holden Caulfield was this misguided youth 
went through a night of uh, full of unfortunate unfortunate events and the worst part is at the end of it he comes out remorseless he doesn't seem to have learned anything so as as a youth you already know it's evident that you can't rely on him whatever yeah, he's told same goes with the narrator in fight club fight club like, yeah you don't know like what is motivated you, you the thing is and one of the things uh, which i found very interesting about fight club is most people for the longest time could not tell at least in my age group in the demographic that i've grown up in is that whether fight club is like a revolutionary book or it's a satire and that's got a lot to do with how the narration goes it's it's very self referential i think uh, the narrative of fight club in the sense that it glorifies a cult but at the same time denounces being part of a cult yes exactly and it's 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 a beautiful satire i think it's yeah it's a satire right? because uh, i think most of the time uh, the author I mean, through the movie, you think Shep it's a. Shah Rukh is almost always fucking with you. He is always fucking with you. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys. He, uh, he, he and he likes fucked up stories. I think yeah. he's attracted to it. He's one of those really. Uh, I, I mean, one of those one of those writers who enjoy the gritty, dark underbelly of That's all he writes most narratives. Anybody yeah. who's not checked his uh, interview with Joe Rogan, oh yeah, that totally go and check it out. It's like, an amazing podcast. It's amazing. For some reason, right? For some reason, it still it still makes for amazing consumerism. But it's you feel you feel a like, little. What is this guy about, man? Like, yeah, what's, what's wrong? You with don't you? feel good, man. You yeah, don't feel good. You yeah. feel like going and having an ice cream at the end of it or something, <laughs> just to make yourself feel a little better. The world is a exactly. nice place, but it's I think embracing a darker worldview is. I'm not sure. I don't have yeah. to live in reality every day. Because that's that's exactly what I'm saying. So coming back to Midnight Children. Salim Sinai is not like any of these guys. He's not. Even though he's an unreliable narrator. So what's up with him? Uh okay, so Salim Sinai unlike the narrator of Don Quixote who's mm. confused mm. or unlike Holden Caulfield who's basically misguided. Mm. Salim Sinai is he's actually kind of smart. He's smart. He is very smart. So that's and You had another point about this also, right? No, I, uh, well, see, the thing is, he uh, most unreliable narrators have an agenda. They always have an agenda. Okay. Okay. But what uh, what puts Salim Sinai, uh, what keeps Salim Sinai separate from other unreliable, unreliable narrators before him, hmm. is the fact that he distorts it with an agenda. He distorts what he's telling with an agenda. Okay, so um, if I had to analyze unreliable narration, right? What sets apart unreliable narration? Uh, how how can you identify unreliable narration the minute you're presented with a text? It's two things. Okay, it's 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 the nature of the narrators and their characters. Yeah. Uh, or it's the context in which the storyline is set. Hmm. So when you look at the na- uh, the nature of the narrators or the characters, we were just discussing that, right? Holden Caulfield is misguided. Uh, Don Quixote is is he's basically a buffoon. right the narrator from fight club is probably schizophrenic yeah. right and he's delusional right also but salim sinai is neither of these things he's extremely smart he is extremely smart and salman rushdie actually makes a mention of it in his in his essay in the sense that he says uh, salim sinai is a very intelligent narrator salim sinai is not an oracle he's only adopting a kind of oracular language good morning people oh, it's 3 a.m. Oh man, this is insane! These birds are scary. It reminds me of that uh, birds, birds Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so where were we? So he, so uh, Rushdie is explaining what uh, sets apart Sal- uh, Salim Sinai from any other unreliable narrator, right? Okay. Salim Sinai is very intelligent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Salim Sinai is not an oracle. He is only adopting a kind of oracular language. His story is not history, but it plays with historical shapes. Ironically, the book's success, its Booker Prize, etc., initially distorted the way in which it was read. Many readers wanted it to be the history, even the guidebook, which it was never meant to be. That's unfair. It's, it's. I don't know, man. It's a gray area. I, I'm not sure if it's unfair I mean, it's, or not. It's, it's, it's a work. For, it's a work of fiction for God's sake. Right? I mean, like, how would you hold Rushdie accountable for uh, a work of fiction? I mean. I mean, he, his genre was what magic realism. Uh, that's, that's that's right. Okay, I get that. But uh, you don't hold people responsible for their works in uh, uh, for for their for their for their errors. In fact, what, what am I saying? You don't really hold people responsible for uh, errors in what would you call a work of fiction. Nobody goes around uh, looking for a Hogwarts in Scotland. Uh, nobody goes around uh, looking for the Hogsmeade village. Nobody goes around looking for. I mean, fuck Middle Earth because. 
that's like a different world altogether. But Rowling essentially plays with the idea of uh, what you would call like the yeah. and you're in like a different magical world, and people don't go around looking for that. So why go around looking for facts in? Uh, I think I think I think I think the problem there is uh, the context. which was the second point okay. when we were looking at uh, the second aspect of unreliable narration right and what actually worked against salman rushdie and his narrator salim sinai is the fact that it won the booker prize it is it turned out to be the definitive post colonial piece of literature it's it's like it's like the go to book right if you have if you had to read something post colonial related to the indian subcontinent you had to pick up you have to pick up midnight children so uh, when people started reading the reading the book mm-hmm. they expected more from it they they expected accuracy and not just facts thrown about and mixed with magic realism they expected accuracy which which is which is probably what salman rushdie was trying to con- reconcile when he wrote the essay errata which is kind of unfair it really is unfair because ultimately if you look at fiction mm-hmm. uh fiction is supposed to deal with okay. imaginary set of events right suppose then then that raises a question for me which is uh, is it just us indians who are obsessed with the uh, fact keeping i think we are no i don't know uh okay look at look look at uh, look at how we obsess over cricket okay i mean uh, i have never i i could never play cricket okay but i can relay some facts here and then Come out of a room. Like everybody knows the differences between the average of Dravid yeah. and Sachin. Yeah. Kiska strike rate better hai, kiska average better hai. Or test me kiska, kiska better hai. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 a thing. I think I think I think we we like to come across. It's a Brahminical worldview. Okay. We, we like, like to, be, to come across, or are we actually like we are we are good with it? Um, We're not bad with numbers. Yeah, but who who's the best with it? The best with it is the one who is able to relay facts at will. and basically come out of the room looking like a pundit even though he may he probably cannot he or she probably cannot bat for shit or field for shit or bowl for shit it's just one of those things i think we just we just obsessed with facts and trivia because we use it in a way to look smarter come out being smarter and that actually kind of worked against salman rushdie in a way probably did it although it should not it probably should not because, because the indians i i'll give you another example right i think So I know what you say when you say that we are obsessed with facts and numbers, and I I do think for a fact that Indians uh, are sort of good with the whole fact keeping and the statistical thing. Absolutely. Okay, like we invented zero, bro. Yeah, I mean we we love statistics. We share a lot, but yes, yeah, we, uh, we did invent we, we, zero. We did invent yeah. zero, and like we like we we have been some of the smartest people in the world, and I know it sort of almost borders. Uh, This whole nationalistic idea, but yeah, we have been smart. Like fuck it for 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 once, except the fact that Indians were some of the smartest people for the longest time, and we probably still are. But then it, there's another thing which Indians are very have been very good at, at least till probably we got independence, which is reconciling two worldviews without having any problems at all. So if you remember, there is this amazing essay by A K Ramanujan, and uh, A K Ramanujan. It's called. Uh, is there an Indian way of thinking? Hmm. Okay. Oh yes, that's another essay. Yes, that's a, that's a lovely essay, and uh, I'll tell you guys why I'm referring to this because A K Ramanujan in that essay he talks about how Indians think in general. He starts the essay off with uh, his father. I mean, obviously there's like there's a very how do I put this? Uh, there's a very interesting way of starting the essay. Sandeep, you want to? Yeah. So the. <sighs> Let me just, let me just get this right, okay? So he starts the essay by posing four questions, but in a very different way. For instance, there are italics too. So there are italics to it. So just to stress on it. So I, I'll I'll do my best here, okay? So the, the 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 question plainly reads: Is there an Indian way of thinking, right? Yeah. But he he basically emphasizes. he emphasizes. He comes out and tells you that that question is extremely loaded because there are four ways of looking at that one single question. For instance, the first one is. Is there an Indian way of thinking? Yeah. The second one is: Is there an Indian way of thinking? That's number two. Number three is: Is there an Indian way of thinking? Yeah. And the fourth one is: Is there an Indian way of thinking? Yep. And and that's very. It's it's, yeah, it's very interesting. So you you were saying you were saying about the two worldviews so because he starts off. Uh, so the in the in the essay line, obviously he goes on a whole. 
trip about uh, is there an Indian way of thinking in general and he sort of addresses all those four questions but he starts off the essay with his father A.K. Ramanujan's father who was uh, I think a Brahmin or he's he a very learned <laughs> a very learned man and he was a big fan of Barton and Russell hmm. but he was also an astrologer hmm. and A.K. Ramanujan at that point who was when he was a kid he remembers vividly asking his father how could he be a fan of Barton and Russell and also be an astrologer and his father is like because the brain has two hemispheres something like that mm-hmm. and he's perfectly fine with it he's perfectly fine with two worldviews and this is not a dumb man you're talking about this is a very 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 smart man okay so it seems like Indians were always able to sort of reconcile these two ways of looking at things hmm. okay so like when is very, so loosely I can sense like what I you're trying to I'll, say I'll give you another example there's another example very uh a very sort of bro science example for anybody mm-hmm. who listens to Joe Rogan there's a there's a guest an amazing guest who keeps on coming on Joe Rogan his name is Brett Weinstein hmm. and Brett Weinstein talks about something very similar he's an atheist himself but he does have an immense respect for religions and what you would call the metaphysical truths mm-hmm. so on one hand he's extremely extremely he's, he's a biologist by the way fantastic so he's, he's, he's like a I, think, I don't know if I'm getting this right but he's a PhD in biology he's been a teacher for the longest time but he also reconciles that with uh, what the Torah says that's beautiful right yeah so Indians have also been like that for the longest time so I think so what you're trying to say is that sort, there is like what you're trying to basically lay out with this these two worldviews in a way analogously uh, traces back to the dialectic between fact and fiction fact and fiction and yeah yeah, and Uh, I think a lot of all these ancient guys uh, say is that oh it's perfectly fine Hmm. like you know for these two things to exist together however what uh, Salman Rushdie seems to be doing at least out of compulsion perhaps in Arata is telling people oh I think I wrote a I wrote a piece of fiction which did not have its facts correct Hmm. which sounds paradoxical and sort of But you know, conflicting to me. That's uh, that's one of the that's one of the interesting things about magic realism in a way because it sort of re- attempts to reconcile these two worldviews, right, of fact and fiction, or also what the world is and the what what and what the world can be in a way. It, it's it's strange. I think I think the pro- the problem the problem with midnight children is that people expect something more from the book. Hmm. but they they're not able to trip on the multiple layers uh, at which it operates i think that's that's one of the main reasons yeah, for it pata nahi hai i mean look at look at if if you look at all our ancient literature in sanskrit and prakrit and all the other languages all our epics hmm. they have been uh, they trip on multiple levels right and they seem they seem so contemporary even in this postmodern day and age and the reason for that i believe is that we have it in our dna to reconcile these worldviews i think we have it in our and dna i tell you what i'll take the thought forward right we have done it in a way but we've not done it in literature since 1947 we've done it in a different medium altogether which is bollywood probably yeah I mean, bollywood, bollywood movies like i mean and hey man listen i am no i am no nuanced viewer of bollywood movies like my favorite bollywood movie of all time is hera pheri to matlab aap meri baat ka to matlab क्या ही सीरियसली लोगे आप लोग लेकिन uh bollywood what it seems to have done barring a few uh, art house movies here and there uh, it seems to have evolved into this thing which sells you a sort of magic realism and probably like, yeah. but but you know it, it, it sells you this larger than life idea it sells you absolutely. this completely unrealistic idea of what completely the world unrealistic. is completely completely in any with in in no way you'll ever break into a song and dance absolutely not i would never do that yeah, or run around trees exactly or jump in bushes and not have sex and get somebody pregnant absolutely that never happens <laughs> yeah. i think but salam yeah. namaste had it right no no what i meant was yeah, like they just sort of they never show people oh yeah the, the, the flowers touch each other and all that of course yeah, maybe hota hai pata hai to main keh raha tha ki we have sort of created this whole industry out of that idea of that 
oh we can totally reconcile yes with yes that, with so that. so bollywood is 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 a, is, a, is an art form let's say, let let's admit it we suspend reality the minute we enter theater halls right yes why can't you suspend reality when you pick up a book by salman rushdie which is interesting exactly that doesn't seem to happen yeah. and why do we sort of evaluate or judge an author based on historical accuracy in a work of fiction what was the disclaimer that uh, most books have or um, all the events all the events mentioned all, all the, the event, characters all the events, events in this book uh, unless stated otherwise are a work of fiction and any resemblance to yeah. anything real or factual is purely coincidental something like that something like that yeah, yeah. so why why can't we do that with a with a, with a book i mean end of the day midnight children is narrated from the point of view of salim sinai who definitely has an agenda who probably distorts his own memory just to suit a narrative that is comfortable for him it's distortion at play why can't you accept that why do you have to uh, berate salman rushdie okay criticize him at every turn and force him to issue an errata through this essay it doesn't make sense it just doesn't make Courage. sense yeah the other thing is uh, that means that it's uh, the essence of that book which is obviously like in terms of when it comes to fiction mm-hmm. is the essence of the book that's more important than uh, the factual yeah like because i'm assuming that like whatever cervantes says in uh, 14th century 15th century spain hmm who cares it's not relevant today so yeah. you probably don't scrutinize it and expect an errata i mean sure there'll be there'll be someone who comes and says there couldn't have been a morisco during the 15th century oh. or there was no toledo i mean i don't know man i mean 100 years from now ilahabad will be what prayagraj yeah. someone could come and say toledo was in toledo at that time at that point of time but no one really cares because it's not relevant right yeah but with midnight children so in india yeah. it's extremely so relevant what is relevant? so so, so the, yeah, exactly so the message is really more important than the facts or the so called facts that are mentioned in the book because i already what i i read i read, I read, I read a tweet mm-hmm. by uh, nasim talib you know nasim talib the anti fragile guy yeah like he's not very anti fragile on twitter he's the he also wrote skin in the game on twitter he's more like thin skin in the game <laughs> So, but I I love Black Swan. This is a great book. Uh, you gotta check that out. I haven't my cupboard actually. I haven't been able to. Yeah, you gotta read get around to reading it. it. It'll make you feel smarter than you are. Really? It'll make you feel smarter. It will not make you smarter. Oh. It'll make you feel you're smarter because you can then be like you know you can go around and start hating on everybody. Wow. And if if you've learned one thing about people who are really smart is like they hate everybody, right? Mm. <laughs> well, at least they have some contempt. <laughs> yeah so the one of the least. things i read uh, and this is something i i am i just looked it up actually on twitter so i know this i actually kept these tabs open because i wanted to read them out so taleb's tweet goes this way with novelists and i'm quoting taleb with novelists names and dates are wrong the rest is true with historians names and dates are correct and the rest is false hmm yeah and if you sort of go a bit deeper and if you like open another tab and you go like a bit deeper there's another another tweet which is more like a quote by Taleb himself and i'm reading it out for you guys uh, fiction is a certain packaging of the truth or higher truths indeed i find that there is more truth in proust albeit it's officially fictional than in the babbling analysis of new york times that <laughs> gives us the illusions of understanding of what's going on newspapers have officially the right facts but the interpretations are imaginary mm. and the choice of facts are arbitrary they lie with the right facts a novelist says the truth with wrong facts end of the tweet <laughs> and uh, which pretty so, much sums up why something like was a good night children uh-huh. would be like you know more representative of the time in which salim sinai sort of uh, grows up in india yeah. and or why uh, don quixote irrespective of the actual currency being used at the time or the actual facts of that time would be a would do better justice to represent the essence of that time yeah as compared to an official account which was sort of commissioned by the king Absolutely. Like, yeah, absolutely. I, mean? I know what I know what you mean. I, like I was doing this little series Wait, that, on that's a very that's a very uh, nice piece of writing that you picked up from Taleb. Huh? I mean, he's an he's an academic, right? 
<laughs> yeah, he is. Well, he definitely seems to be oriented towards humanities in some ways. It's it's really well put, and it, I, I'm just I'm just curious. I mean, it's kind of I like how it ties back with what we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Salman Rushdie, it's almost it's coincidental actually. It. Talib and Rushdie seem to be talking about the same thing, man. The same thing. Yeah, because uh, the thing is that it was, the thing is uh, Talib is an interesting fellow. Like if, again, like if you read Black Swan, you would see that. He comes from a place of trading and he's he, he understands statistics probably like nobody else does on Twitter. Hmm. And I say Twitter because I do not belong to the academia, so I do not know. But at least when it comes to Twitter and overall the public intellectuals, uh, the domain of the public intellectuals, nobody seems to understand mathematics and statistics and hmm. trading and numbers like Talib does. But at the core of it, and he says it himself in Black Swan, he's an extremely, extremely well-read guy. And that's... There's like 90% of Black Swan is just like him babbling about him reading Proust or him reading or Hayes or him reading somebody else and 10% of it is just like great ideas. Hmm. So that's the thing and the thing is Taleb believes that a lot of ideas mentioned in the world of literary fiction are yet to be studied and explained by social scientists. So uh, wow. and he thinks that like the best place to look for certain explanations, scientific explanations rather, hmm. is uh, literature. Right, so wait one second. Scientific? Can can you just repeat that? Yeah, like what I mean. What I mean is, how do I put this? Like, let me. Put, okay, so sociology and other social sciences can only tell you so much about human motivations. Okay. okay because they're mm. more often than not there is there, they've got this inbuilt motivations of the people who are writing them, who want to present a certain worldview, as opposed to when an author is writing something, it's more honest and more crystallized, and it crystallizes the. Uh, the reality of the situation without sort of going too much into the facts it, it gives you the essence of it so it's, it's more pure I guess it's it's, it's uh, exactly it's more pure hmm. so like you know I'll give you an example right like and I'll not go too deep into this because I don't want to get too speculative here but something like Lolita hmm. I mean I think I dare say how a Taleb would look at it is he would say that the psychology of pedophilia mm-hmm can actually be explained through a book like Lolita. Okay. And Yeah, that would be a very interesting paper. I'd read that man. Yeah. Uh, or probably and, and if you if you wanted to understand memory hmm. or if you wanted to understand things like personality, you would be better off reading a Borges. When Borges says Borges and I, there's a beautiful one pager called Oh yeah, yeah, of course that's a that's a that's a beautiful parable and Dare I say it's almost unreliable in its narration. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it sets you off in this <laughs> weird who's, dizzy. who's listening to this and who's sort of stayed with us till now, uh, uh, we really recommend you go and read Borges and I. It won't even take you too long. It, it it just comes and it hits you and it leaves. It's like one page. It's one page. It's just one page. But it'll suck you in and you'll be visiting that page Again and again and for, again. And I think again and again. for the rest of your, your life. life. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, but okay. So going back to that original idea of Talib's, where where, you, where, where I was trying where, to claim that psychology of pedophilia can be explained in the context of Talib. So scientific scrutiny. Yes. I mean, literature can be subjected to scientific scrutiny, yes. and there can be real value out of it. Yes. That's very that's very interesting because when you look at Proust. Okay, uh, he played a pivotal role in the development of the theory of involuntary memory. Just by actually explaining, uh, by, by actually narrating a small scene in his book, In Search of Lost Time. It okay. was in the first book called Swan's Way. Alright. So, uh, how it comes about is, it's, it's also called the Madeleine moment. Now, Madeleine is, I think, a French pastry or a biscuit of sorts, which you have a tea. Man, so why, uh, yeah, we to, <laughs> to croissant, 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 croissant. But, uh, yeah, so, so he, he describes a scene in which he eats the madeleine along with tea and for whatever reason whether it's a taste or it's the olfactory senses he smells something it takes him back to his memory from his childhood hmm. whereas the stimulus is not really correlated with what is actually churned out you know what i mean so it's actually involuntary memory and it actually led to a complete i think it was a complete different completely different branch of psychology or the philosophy of memory that's mad dude that's insane that's, that's actually mad. I mean, there's a reason why Proust is considered one of the greatest 20th century authors. This is this is this is, this really ties up with what Talib talks about. Think about it. Yeah. Psychology of pedophilia. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. We're, we're not going there. We're not going there. That's that's a no-go area for us. But it's interesting. I mean, there are 
boundaries to push here right when it comes to literature i think great literature great, great literature is always push boundaries yeah. always uh like that's satanic that's, that's, versus that's, 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 really sorry, that's, that's insane wow that's yeah uh i i i i still can't get over whatever talib says when he says that newspapers lie with the right facts and novelists says the truth with the wrong facts and that's that's essentially what irata is and that's essentially what salman rushdie talks about um i don't know i mean art has always played a, an important role in bending reality or subverting it i mean that's that's always been the case but there is an essential guys, truth i think those, so hey so for all the people who are listening to us uh, if you are uh, if you do not like john peterson uh, <laughs> please like just like you know like let's let it be right because here are two guys who really sort of like peterson a lot that's an understatement yeah absolutely and so we're going to be discussing a lot of what he also talks about certain things which are interesting not the political stuff obviously but the more interesting stuff and there is a lot of so if, if anybody was watching maps of meaning the series of lectures that peterson had he says something very interesting and it's it's, it's very profound is one of the i don't know why peterson is just saying one one of the things i don't know why he's famous for all the wrong stupid things in the world when he actually says some really cool shit so he shows his students like a bunch of uh, paintings mm-hmm. and he says a lot of all these guys are trying to do and then he's talking about guys like Hieronymus Bosch who's almost like uh, who's almost like a Salvador Dali of the 12th century fight oh. he's a dutch guy 12th century surrealist yeah you wow. know 12th or 13th century don't is like almost it doesn't matter it, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter. 600 yeah. years 700 <laughs> years of 700 years before probably dali uh, started drawing and and peterson says that what i have gathered and what i and my colleagues have gathered if i am to sort of paraphrase him is that a lot of these artists they did not know what exactly they were trying to express however they could express it so they artists yeah so this is exactly what peterson says artists get there before the scientists do Wow. And, and this is one of the things and he's like this That's... has happened apparently a lot of time he he gives the examples of guys like anonymous bosch he gives the examples of guys like dostoyevsky and he says mm. they just get there they don't know what they're trying to tell you but, but they, they, they still ex- they still express it but the scientific basis for that are usually uh, figured out later once the scientists have seen that okay something extraordinary is going on over here or something worth exploring is going on over here and uh, because otherwise other because is a thing if everything that you wrote or everything that you made was supposed to be exact then you would never really get the whole genre of science fiction and jewels would never be writing anything yeah so i mean i think i think if you if you do not suspend your reality uh when you enter salim sinai's world you also miss out on the power of allegory right yeah, of do. how salim's narrative sort of mirrors the young indian young nation that is taking birth after 1947 yeah So um I think I think that is a larger message that Minnashilan hopes to drive home and if we, if we get caught up with small nitty-gritties small factual errors like Lata Mangeshkar singing in 1946 yeah all, all india, india radio. radio yeah that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of silly you're kind of missing the point dude uh, I think there's something even Christopher Nolan has said uh about inception hmm. it is like if you're really looking for whether 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 the totem flips or not <laughs> uh, you're really missing the point because uh, uh what's his name what's his name in the movie cob 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 doesn't care anymore yeah, yeah cob, cob doesn't care, care anymore yeah okay so it doesn't matter whether he is that is as unreliable as it gets as right unreliable because as it gets. it's a subjective world view it doesn't yeah. matter you accept yeah. your truths yeah so let's not get bogged down by Christopher Nolan stuff factual Errors. I I did make some some more notes actually about. Uh, uh, okay, so another question then sort of leads me to. If okay, along with other art forms, mm-hmm. then then fiction is real and like a real a very legitimately real way to look at the reality. Mm-hmm. Then can it be truly beyond moral and factual judgment? Hmm. uh this is this is a this is a tough question okay Sorry. so i mean moral judgment is what you said so even quantum physicists know that their act of observation is a moral act it is not without its moral repercussions you know why 
because at those quantum levels at those ultra microscopic levels the fact that you even begin to observe already you start to affect change you're already distorting reality so it's already a moral moral action are, right? we, are we going into the whoosh whoosh uh, it's not it's not whoosh whoosh it's it's it's, it's I'm, I'm asking i don't want to be uh, a guy who sort of eventually comes out as the deepak chopra of podcasts oh no no this is uh you, you can you can read a bit of niels bohr he had a lot to write about quantum physics and the philosophy of science okay I guess and it's it's, it's beautiful it, so it, i mean stick to Salman, let's okay so if if is it is it truly beyond moral and factual judgment I think it's a great segue to our next section I think uh where we talk about uh essentially is freedom of speech and expression really absolute is it really absolute I don't know I don't know I, th- I think we should we should stick with Salman Rushdie for a while what do you think Yeah totally like we can talk about satanic verses and uh, I know it's it's been done to death but uh, I don't know man I I, I think I think we should avoid satanic verses I think it's it's really it's it's we we all know Salman Rushdie's story and stuff but I think what is more interesting when it comes to challenging freedom of expression is probably his uh association with his freed association I'm not really sure if it's freed but it's confusing for sure with the Jaipur literary festival uh, literature festival Okay Jaipur what about that I mean I think I think we'll just have to wait and see. I think it's 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 a discussion for another podcast. Yeah, man, it's it's almost four in the morning now. And Fuck. yeah, jeez. Okay, guys, gotta go to sleep, man. So fine, guys. Uh, we're gonna come back very soon. Uh, do tune in. We'll release an episode uh, within next uh, week. Thank you. This was the fine print by Hawapur Originals, and we are India. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, our show is called Beyond Left and Right, and we also have other shows, and we keep uploading videos every week, sometimes more than once a week. Yeah. And uh, we hope that this episode was fun for you. But we're gonna keep coming back and keep making it more fun for ourselves, and probably, hopefully, for you too. So thanks a lot for tuning in, guys. And this looks like as good a place to stop as any. I hope you enjoyed this Hubhopper original podcast. If you want to get started with your own show, please do get in touch. We'd love to have you on board. Send an email to info at hubhopper.com. That's info at hubhopper.com, and we'll get back to you in a flash. We're looking forward to creating some great audio content together.